We ate from pale green plates on an oval table in a square dining room adjoining the kitchen and linked to it by a sliding door. The French windows that led from the dining room to the garden were often steamed up, blurring the view. A shaded lamp suspended above the table rose and fell smoothly when you pushed or pulled the little handle beneath the bulb. My father's seat at the head of the table faced the back garden, its lawns, trees and banks of flowering shrubs so bright in summer that they almost hurt your eyes. Mum's place was opposite Dad, but most of the time she was in the kitchen where she prepared every morsel that passed our lips and washed every dish, cup, knife, fork and table napkin that we ever used. She even buttered our bread for us and decided whether or not our toast would have crusts. This was the custom of the time and quite unremarkable. On the other hand, although we sat down together at the table, we rarely ate the same meal, which was not. While my father ate a pork chop with boiled cabbage and new potatoes, my older sister Julia and I might have cold chicken and lettuce with salad cream, and my mother a pork pie, beetroot, of which she was particularly fond, and peas. Occasionally there was one element, perhaps the potatoes, peas or beans from the garden, that featured in all the meals, linking them tenuously together, but mostly there was not. On the kitchen side of the table sat the oldest of us three girls, Julia, officially Juliet, but adamantly opposed to the name's romantic implications. I, Hazel, named after a tree planted on the weekend of my birth, sat opposite her, my back against the heating vent in the living room wall. April, still a baby, was fed earlier and then put down. Plates were handed out from the kitchen, and my mother told us what was coming and who it was for. If your plate contained something you were known to like, then you were in her good books, and it was important to seem grateful, even though fried eggs might be the last thing on earth you fancied at that particular moment. If you were given something you had even once shown the faintest dislike for, she was either punishing you or reminding you that she could. We never argued over what we were given, though occasionally we attempted to exchange beetroot for potato, sausage for chop. Mum said that what bothered her about this was the possibility of the tablecloth getting spoiled. Sometimes, unable to contain herself, she would pull the plates from our hands and perform the exchange herself, insisting that the entire meal was swapped so that you got three things you didn't want, along with the one you did. Don't fiddle about, she said. This was in suburbia before the arrival of the avocado pear, and again the food itself, meat, pies, potatoes, boiled vegetables and rudimentary but very fresh salads from the garden, was, in name at least, ordinary. But there were many staple items which Mum had never learned to successfully make. Yorkshire pudding was one, pastry another. These substances were different every time they appeared, and could only be named from their context. Sometimes the Yorkshire pudding resembled scrambled egg, at other times it was more like a large, thick crisp. There was no way of predicting. What's it like? she'd ask. Neither I nor Julia answered, but my father had grown into the habit of considering the merits of whatever it was very carefully indeed, and making a considered reply. I quite like the softness of it, I must say it goes extremely well with mustard.
The reason for the inconsistency was simple. Despite her rigorousness in other areas of household management, such as cleaning and expenditure, Mum hated to be bound by measurements or recipes. She preferred to guess, and she despised recipes for being so particular, so fussy about what they needed to be themselves. She simply wouldn't accept it, and gave them, as she gave us, what she thought they deserved.